this study says that uh, whatever composition is in uh, seafood, the nutrients on one side and uh, other components like toxins on the other side, the net benefit is all positive. That was Dr. Tom Brenna, professor of pediatrics at the University of Texas at Austin Dell Medical School and co-author of a new study about the relationship between seafood consumption during pregnancy and child development. We are excited to have Dr. Brenna as our guest on today's AFPA Patient Access Podcast. I'm Susan Hepworth. Dr. Brenna, thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me, Susan. Dr. Brenna, moms want to do what's best for their baby, but there are a lot of mixed messages out there. There is so much on the internet and social media. Moms very well may struggle to know what nutritional choices are best for her baby's development. Now, you recently published a study that may help to sort out some of that confusion that currently exists, but before we talk about your study, could you give us some background on the confusion that currently exists for these um, expectant and breastfeeding moms around consuming seafood? Well, we in nutrition uh, deal with these mixed messages on a routine basis. We're used to it. Uh, when I look at my news feeds, uh, I see as many uh, reports of uh, negative effects as positive effects for almost any nutrient that I that I follow and almost any any food that I follow. So so clearly, even we who are professionals and spend most of our lives thinking about this stuff um, are just as concerned about these mixed messages. That's why a group of us got together and uh, evaluated the totality of the evidence uh, on, uh, on seafood consumption, and particularly for the, I will call them highest priority groups, uh, pregnant moms and lactating moms and kids. If moms forego eating seafood during pregnancy and while they are breastfeeding, um, what are they missing out on? In the case of seafood, uh, it is uh, the principal source of what we call the long chain omega-3 fatty acids, the, the uh, uh, best known as DHA and EPA, um, but it's also a great source of uh, minerals, uh, including those associated with antioxidants. Um, so selenium, iodine, uh, zinc, copper, and other elements. So it's a great source of minerals as well. It's really a balanced food in, um, uh, in, in all sorts of ways. And so substituting uh, other foods for it uh, particularly if you if you cut out seafood completely and substitute other foods that maybe are not quite as balanced or balanced in other ways, you could say perhaps you're missing out on uh, on shortfall nutrients that uh, that are key for particularly the development of the neural system. That's what we usually think about um, in these uh, in in discussions of uh, seafood nutrition. So it sounds like you're saying that, you know, seafood provides um, a lot of balance and there's a lot of nutrients in there. And so 
when you forego those, you replace them with other foods, you might be missing out on some of those things. And it seems to me like it's a lot of these myths and misconceptions and the sensationalizing some of the um, potential but very small risk of seafood is really what's leading women to consume less than what has been recommended by some of our, our government agencies. Would that be a correct characterization? Yeah, I think it is. Um, we we think about uh, toxins, and we should be, and we'll, we might as well mention it early on here, is, is mercury, and that's something that was of a lot of concern and still is cons- of concern, and there's no question at high levels that mercury is a neurotoxin. That's an easy one. But the question is, uh, is the amount of mercury that one would be exposed to in typical commercial seafood, uh, is that... Uh, uh, does that outweigh the benefit of the nutrients in seafood? So I want to talk specifically about the study that you co-authored, which was published in late 2019, on this topic of, of seafood consumption. So first, tell us a little bit about the goal of that study and what methodology you used. Uh, the, the study was inspired by the Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee for 2020, which is currently meeting, it is currently together, and this is a group of scientists that come together to make recommendations that will be taken into account by the federal government, specifically the Secretaries of Agriculture and the Secretary of Health and Human Services, to develop the dietary guidelines for Americans, and that is something that has to be done every five years uh, and has been done every five years since 1980 uh, and based on an act of Congress. The, the, uh, uh, the current committee uh, was tasked with answering two specific questions, and they are, what is the relationship between seafood consumption during pregnancy and lactation and neurocognitive development? And the second question was, what is the relationship between seafood consumption during childhood and adolescence and neurocognitive development? So the first question is about seafood consumption by moms, and the second one is about seafood consumption by kids, and they specifically ask questions about neurocognitive development. And so a group of, I think it was uh, 16 of us, uh, who have been researchers in, in this area and in various aspects of seafood, came together to try and answer that question in exactly the same way and using exactly the same methodology as the Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee would use. And uh, I I was personally on the last Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee from 2015, and so I'm familiar with at least the process from five years ago, which is a bit different this time, um, but it's mostly uh, mostly similar. So we were inspired to to simply recapitulate what they're going to do to find out what uh, what they would uh, learn from their process. Great. So from this study, what are the three main data points that stand out to you the most? Um, the first one we looked at was, or that I would cite, I should say, uh, was. Even at the highest levels of uh, seafood consumption, do we see evidence of harm? Uh, and uh, the answer to that was actually surprising to most of us, and the answer was no. 
we don't see any evidence of harm, even at the highest levels of seafood consumption, which are 10 or 20 times the average consumption in the United States. The second thing that we found, and I, and I should also um, make a comment about um, the way we looked at these, uh, at these studies, um, <clears throat> we considered seafood as a unit, in other words, the food, not the omega-3 fatty acids, not the mercury composition, nothing about sort of dissecting it out into different kinds of, of uh, seafood. We said seafood consumption, seafood as a unit. And so helpings of seafood or servings of seafood, and what are those relationships, right? So that's kind of what the consumer is looking at. Should I have a serving or two or three servings of seafood during a week? Should I worry about the type of seafood I have? Should I uh, worry about whether I have uh, double or triple a recommended amount of, of seafood? Um, so so ba back to the question of, of what, uh, what our findings were, we didn't find any maximum amounts. We found that at the lowest levels, uh, when we go from no seafood to, let's say, 8 to 12 ounces, which are the current recommendations, that we see major benefits for the, the kids, particularly with moms uh, consuming seafood and uh, with kids consuming seafood, so both. And, and then um, in, in some studies, uh, some studies that measured um, IQ in the kids, not all of them did, um, about five of them did, um, we saw uh, that they were reporting out what we, we judged to be, or at least I judged to be, rather large numbers of uh, improvements in in um, in IQ, uh, let's say um, it, there's a bunch of ways to talk about this, but but an easy, uh, a simple way to think about it is that the 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 uh, increase was around seven IQ points, maybe a little bit more than that, but something like that. And there's a, a range around that, which is an extraordinarily big number um, from the perspective of uh, of public health. So those are those are three things, that, and there, there are a number of other things we, we found too, of course. But but those are those are three things that that stand out. So then, what conclusion do you draw altogether, looking at all the results of all the different studies that you looked at? What's the conclusion that you would draw from the results? This study says that uh, whatever composition is in. Uh, seafood, the nutrients on one side and uh, other components like toxins on the other side, the net benefit is all positive to the highest levels of seafood. And so uh, I feel safe in recommending um, as much seafood as, as moms care to consume um, I, uh, in 2019, it was a big year for me. I, uh, uh, two of my kids had kids, so I now have some grandkids. And this is exactly the advice I gave uh, to my daughter and my daughter-in-law, uh, that they should consume fish, consume seafood, and uh, that it is only beneficial and uh, that they should not be 
uh, concerned about an upper limit that the, the recommendations for two to three servings a week are terrific. If they go higher, they're going to be fine and they may well get more benefit. So we talked a little bit before about the mixed messages that are out there on the topic. What do you think that all of these different government agencies who are working you know, on these dietary guidelines, what do you think the government agencies and the media can do to try to combat some of this confusion? Because it sounds to me, based on the study, moms are leaving benefits on the table if they forego eating seafood during pregnancy. So what do we need to do to stop the confusion that's out there? The first thing we ought to do is, is uh, from the perspective of scientific advisory groups, is to believe the data that are out there. What should be the message from the, um, from the, uh, uh, from the government and the, the, the recommendations from um, uh, healthcare uh, persons, um, healthcare professionals, uh, the message uh, should be to uh, consume seafood um, in, in the way that I've just mentioned, and that uh, concerns which were legitimate, let's say, 20 years ago, have turned out not to play out as uh, negatives. They have, been, uh, uh, they have been studied carefully, and the data all support uh, that moms not only should not leave those benefits on the table, but, you know, another way of thinking about it is that um, our kids uh, should be uh, developing uh, at a certain level, and they're not reaching that full potential. So, so another way to think about it is if you don't eat seafood, your kids are left behind. And that's what our data seems to say. And that's what these are all, again, these are all the data from other people around the world who've done these studies. And we found over 40 studies that address this. Putting it all together, that's the way it looks. Wow. Uh, very interesting insights. Thank you, Dr. Brenna. So I, um, we typically end each of these podcasts with a little bit of a lightning round just so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. So we're going to take about 20 seconds and we're going to roll through five quick questions. Um, so just one quick answer to each of the following questions. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What's the last book you read? Oh boy. I had the name. Now I'm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to it. Okay, Let's go back to that two. one. Yeah. How many years have you been researching nutrition? Oh, God. 40? Okay. Uh, not an insignificant amount of years, I would say. <laughs> right. All right, number three. If you were going to compete on Dancing with the Stars or American Idol, which would you choose? Oh, American Idol, and I'd be singing about seafood. Okay. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite seafood? Salmon. And do you prefer mountains or beach? Wherever my kids are. Oh, that's a great answer. And we'll quickly go back to number one if you have thought of the name of the last book you read. Maybe I'll Pitch Forever by Satchel Page. Oh, very cool. Well, Dr. Brenna, we have really appreciated having you um, as our guest on today's AFPA Patient Podcast. <music>